Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing on that merry road to episode 300 All right. of the Michelle Mission. And tonight, we are making a stop for Vincent's selection, going to the year of 1995 for the Hughes Brothers' Dead Presidents. That's right. Starring Lorenz Tate, Keith David, Bokeem Woodbine, mm-hmm. Bush Wright, mm-hmm. and one Chris Tucker mm. in tonight's thrilling episode of the <laughs> Michelle Mission. I guess these episodes are thrilling. I am. I'm all a titter. Is this is thrilling? It's thrilling. Yeah. Action packed. Action packed. Coming your way. Oh yeah. Edge of your seat. But before we start, let's, as always, give a shout out to each and every one of you out there listening to the show via the podcast catcher of your choice and watching us as we stream live via StreamYard to YouTube, Facebook, and to Twitch. Hello, 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 Good hello. evening, good evening. What's up, Vincent? How you doing, brother? I'm all right, I'm all right, you know, dealing with the snow that hit us last week, finally. Yes. You know, shoveled out, and it's still a lot of snow everywhere because it's still cold. It's cold, but I mean, we got like, I don't know about uh, up your end. Um, Mm -hmm. I I got maybe a good, maybe, maybe four. We got about six. We got about six. Six, six, you know, eight in some spots. Enough that it had to be shoveled. Well, well, yeah, it did have to be shoveled. Yeah. But um, it didn't like cause like a big to do around here no ruckus no brouhaha well no because it was over the weekend so i just kept my booty in the house just kept your booty in the house i had just shopped i had some fresh fish all right so i was rocking i had fish and uh shrimp okay i had to make myself a shrimp salad oh very nice i had i had a good time all right we were having a very good time very nice what how was your weekend oh not bad you know the same once we shoveled and so we sort of stayed Stayed put. Mm-hmm. Stayed put. Very quiet weekend, obviously. Well, that's true. You know, this was not the, the weekend to be gallivanting around. So No, it was not. Yeah. No, it was not. Unfortunately, um, the year of 2022 has started off with a bit of a bang in this weekend, yet we lost another um, celebrity of our youth well yeah our youth yeah the, the 70s late 70s 80s yeah um the actor howard hessman yeah oh yeah passed away at the age of 81 yeah, years oh, old. yeah. howard hessman uh, for some generations known as the um the the cool teacher of head of the class right right um, for another generations, he might be noted as a reliable comedic character actor. Yes, in many movies as well as on television series. But for most of us, Howard Hessman will forever be known as the disc jockey, Doctor Johnny Fever. Doctor Johnny Fever on the uh, short-lived but greatly remembered. Yes, yes, I think he got his PhD in. Funkonomics. Amen. 
Yes. Uh, and he got fired for saying booger. <laughs> uh, on the uh, venerable TV show WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Mainstay of our youth okay. and, and of reruns. Yes. You know, it's interesting you said it wasn't on that long with two, three year run. It was a four year season. Four years. But because of the reruns, mm-hmm. I think, you know, several generations. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Um, claimed it mm-hmm. you know i have to say i don't remember it during its first run oh oh really yeah but i certainly watched it in reruns i in, remember it very fondly in mm-hmm. its first runs watched it in reruns um and waited with bated breath because it was a show that dealt with that was um set in a radio station mm-hmm. they played the music of the day yeah oh yeah oh yeah times throughout the show right which was great and was great in reruns but once the dvd Mm -hmm. um you know uh, uh, explosion of the i guess early 90s yeah and the whole rights issue right wkrp was a show that got you know kind of like stuck in limbo it mm-hmm. got put That's out right. there but it was with like replacement music put right in. right um but uh, eventually and even that was the the stop gap yeah because for many years it just wasn't you on, couldn't do it at all yeah, it just wasn't on right. dvd but then at all they put the replacement music out there and then people were like eh, it's not the same feel right um but then uh shout factory went in and actually, you know, ponied up for the rights for, I think the working percentage is about between 92 to 95% of the music. Okay. From that was used in the show. They ponied up, paid the rights so that the DVDs could be put out in as complete a fashion as, as, as yes. they can be. And I have the complete WKRP in Cincinnati. It's 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 a good buy as as you said. I I think just to to follow that thread for a moment, it was this really specific moment mm-hmm. in licensing and and the change of 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 technology. Yeah, where you did have the the other show that I always think about is the Muppet Show. Yeah, which was also held up like that because mm-hmm. of all of the musical performances. Yeah, and they realized that they hadn't signed off on everything, and and it really was. And you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a hiccup with Batman sixty six? There was a hiccup with Be- Batman. because they had to go and get all of the celebrity that was yeah all yeah, of the celebrities music, to sign celebrities. yeah yes. their, their clearances so mm-hmm. yeah and and with dealing with that it was like a states right exactly right. exactly and then mm-hmm. and then the 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 Batman thing was they had a cameo yep. every episode so yep. you had to go and really mm-hmm. track down like you said the estates yeah of all these like of all of these people who were on screen yeah. for 20 seconds <laughs> exactly right so exactly yeah that was a was definitely a hiccup but uh Howard Hessman is um he is uh like I said he is a character uh, an actor who I would see show up on Mary Tyler Moore right I would see him show up uh wow I think he showed up on the odd couple a couple of times like like any place he showed up, he was just super reliable. Sure. And then sure. when he, he he 
hunkered down and that was on WKRP in Cincinnati. I was very happy for him. You know, I watched head of the class. I thought he was good in it, but you know, he wasn't Johnny fever, right? But he was good. He he, he did his thing. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's hard for me one to imagine that he was 81 years old because he'll forever be, you know, this, you know, 40 year old DJ. Mm -hmm. But, um, that was one of those, you know, celebrity deaths that really hit me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sorry to see him gone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bree Bree 517 in the chat is saying that head of the class was actually what she knows him best for. Like I said, it's all generational. I was about to say he, he was a generational actor. He Most really definitely. was. Most definitely. Um, but if you want to, if you want some comedy, you want to see, it's just not necessarily be the best of Howard Hessman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch WKRP in Cincinnati, you're watching the best of Howard Hessman. Okay. But if you want to see like the best of WKRP in Cincinnati, then watch the Turkeys Away episode. Yeah, which is yeah. their their seminal uh, Thanksgiving episode, first season. Yeah, of the show. And man, that show. That episode, I watched it when I saw that he passed. I rewatched it, and I, I just died laughing. Yeah, it's legendary. You know, oh my God, there are turkeys. Yes. <laughs> Moving on, I see people in the chat. They're talking about Derville Martin swag. Oh, they've got their Derville Martin swag. All um, right, three, three, five, seventeen. Here she goes again. Did anyone get the sweatshirt of Derville Martin? Because I just got the T-shirt. <laughs> I might get pneumonia, but I'm a dedicated fan. <laughs> well, yes, you. Well, are. wear it under a cardigan. They, oh, okay. See, there you have a t-shirt and a cardigan. You know, I bet Bree Bree Five Seventeen can pull that off. You, well, you know, I, I know I can't. You, you know, I feel you should always have a cardigan nearby because it gets a little cool. You know, you you have like you have a couple of cardigans. I do. I'm a fan of the cardigan. I have one cardigan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm only have one. I'm a fan because you can just throw it on. Yeah, see, but you know, you what? just throw it on. I know you you say that. I do, but it doesn't. I I can't pull it off. You just throw it on. It, I can't. Yeah, cardigan over what a t-shirt. What do you pull it on? I mean, you put on it on t-shirt? over a t-shirt or or button down. It's a cardigan. Uh, oh, a button down maybe, but uh, you just throw it on. It doesn't work for me. Oh. It can work for you. You have to believe in the cardigan. Maybe that's it. <laughs> I don't believe you're, in the cardigan. You're not trusting the cardigan. I'm not trusting You it. have to trust the cardigan. I'm not trusting it. I'm looking at it and it's like, ah, I don't really trust that. <laughs> like, you feel like a sweater shouldn't be able to open up. I know. Like, it's a sweater. You should pull it on keep you warm. Cardigan's all open. I don't know. It gets flappy. All the spaces between the buttons. Yeah, see? Know. You got to believe in the cardigan. I don't. Okay. Well, okay. Well, maybe. One day. <laughs> One day my cardigan will come. <laughs> We're going to look to the future. <laughs> Flying cars, robots, and Lynn wearing a cardigan. Um, we got some listener mail, Vince. Ah, missives from the missionaries. Yes, and we actually got... it. it and by way of listener mail, we got a comment. Okay. From Lennon Tulsa on our episode of The Well. 
Hey, Lyndon Tulsa. Remember when we reviewed yeah, the that's, well? That's a deep cut. 51. Yeah. Well, you know, people go into archives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lennon begins, I first saw this movie as a TV double feature when I was nine years old, back in 1981. Okay. To date them. The older movie, the other movie was Roger Corman's The Intruder, starring William Shatner. Both of these movies made a huge impression on me. Harry Morgan's character made me think differently about criminals and their possible empathy. The depiction of race relations during this period was rather eye-opening for a young middle-class black boy who had uh, never experienced overt racism up to that point. Okay. This period was when my parents were adults, 1940s to the 50s, who grew up during the Great Depression and survived Jim Crow and suffered constant anti-indigenous racism. My parents and grandparents would tell me stories about this period. Many movies glossed over civil rights issues and bigotry, or they may have presented tepid scenarios of racism that was cartoonish. That being said, this movie was the first depiction that I had seen that gave gravitas to my parents' statements and experience. Oh, okay. Before you ask, no, my parents would not let me watch Roots and they wouldn't mm. let me watch Good Times, Sanford and Son, or The Jeffersons either. Mm -hmm. With Roots, my parents had had personal experiences similar to much of the violence depicted in Roots and they didn't want us, their children, to ever see something akin to what they went through. Nothing is funny about being black in America, as my father would say. Mm. Years later, I would see in the heat of the night Tick, 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 and the defiant ones before some aspects of that period would give me a slightly better understanding. I agree with both of you on many points and wonder if you were remaking this movie today, being the well. Sure. How would you change it? Your amigo? Yeah, you can go. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say what I think we said during the episode. I think the very first thing I would change is I would play with the perspective mm -hmm. so that as the viewer, we weren't sure whether or not the Harry Morgan character actually did something to the little girl. Yeah. Remember, yeah. you find out immediately that, that she has fallen down the well. Right, right. And I guess it's right there in the title. Mm-hmm. But... I really, I really thought they handled the tension in the town mm -hmm. based on the unknown mm -hmm. of what was going on with her really well. And I thought I would expand that to the audience. See, you know what? And I don't, I don't remember whether or not I agreed with you at that point, but as I'm thinking about it now, I kind of like the idea of playing fair with the audience and letting you know that he didn't do it. And then but but then showing you how, you know, circumstances and circumstantial evidence or whatever mm -hmm. can just be turned on its head and then like mob rules can just, you know, just take over. Right. Um, and I and I like the idea of people. I like the idea of being people being confronted with how they act right dead to their face, because that, I think that happens a lot, especially right. nowadays. Right. So, you know, I think either way is a, a good way to go. Yeah. I like making audiences uncomfortable. I like being an audience member who is uncomfortable. So, okay, I guess, yeah, I see that because if, 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 by 
keeping him ratcheted up and you think that he's did it and then let then revealing it. Right, like then you you figure out whether or not you would have been part of the lynch mob. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I feel I feel you. So it, it is a good it is a, a, a an a, a really, really interesting movie, especially considering the time. It's that was it's made. a really interesting movie. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. But but thank you, Lennon. Lennon Tulsa. Thank you, Lennon Tulsa. Yeah, thank you very much. That was a pretty dope. Good good letter there. Appreciated that. Um. Oh, I was thinking. I was talking about what I was watching this weekend. Yes, and Lynn was talking about that to me. He didn't. He wasn't talking about it to y'all. No, I did not mention it um, to the missionaries. But um, in in our conversation about what I was watching this weekend, you and I both mentioned that we watched the Janet Jackson documentary. We did, or at least the first two episodes. Yeah, I I, I have I think ten minutes left. I'm not going to say of the of the uh, of of the second. Episode. episode like I'm not going to say somebody I'm married to fell asleep so I couldn't finish watching it but if you point at somebody I'm married to mm-hmm. I'll whistle I mean is that is that the rule of the house I mean it's yeah so if you're you both know, supposed if to we're if we're both watching it mm-hmm. you know no man gets left behind right you know right so you know I that's my rule too yeah so. I can't even front on you right, like that right. you know because one because it's a rule and two is I don't want to hear your mouth Right there, there's a there's actually a source of tension right now in my house. Really, somebody in my house that was irritated with their father because he started watching the Book of Boba Fett without her, mm-hmm. and then she says she was gonna catch up. But every time I see her, she's watching reruns of Boy Meets World and not the Book of Boba Fett. So, so now I can't watch the last episode of the Book of Boba Fett. That mm. came on because I'm supposed to be waiting for somebody else in my house mm. who was upset that I started without her. Mm. And then I said, well, go ahead and catch up and I'll wait for you. And I'm still waiting. I'm not going to say who it is, but if you point at my daughter, I'll whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I have to I I haven't returned to Boba Fett. I got to get back there. Hey, it's not bad. It's not the Mandalorian. See, that's, and that's like the, the irony is now it like like the Mandalorian was fake Boba Fett when it came on. Right. And now you have real Boba Fett and I'm just like, I want I want Mando back. I want Mando. I and want and Mando. I'm really frustrated because the episode that I can't watch is the Mando is the it? one that the Mandalorian comes back. No, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. Oh. Well it sounds like they made a good day. Sounds like a couple people This has been intricacies of television watching in the Williams household. Sound like a couple of women in your life need to get their weight up. I was about but, to um, say, or just take a nap early in the day or something. So what are your thoughts, Vincent, on the Janet Jackson documentary as you have seen so far? I mean, again, I, I have like 10 minutes left, so I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to put a disclaimer on it. I, well, let's start here. I am, I am fascinated by Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. For for she Janet Jackson is is like a few people in the culture, people like we were talking about Kim Fields last summer mm-hmm. and and the Upshaws and I and and we talked about the fact that it was just good seeing Kim Fields, like we just love Kim Fields. Um, Who side note? I didn't know has her own coffee brand. Random. 
I didn't. I'm, I'm just sorry. And like I, I learned that like not too long ago that Kim Fields. You uh, just, you, you just trying to distract me because you know I'll be. Still, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to distract you. I'm not trying to distract you. She has her own um, uh, coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up now because I, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, make sure I give it its proper. <laughs> make sure we, we attribute Kim Fields Coffee brand correctly. Yeah. Yes. I, absolutely. It's uh, she's the founder of Signature Blends by Kim Fields, a national coffee roaster and coffee distributor. Does it based in Atlanta? I have so many questions now that I want to talk about this more than the Janet Jackson documentary. <laughs> so, does Kim Fields roast the coffee? Well, I don't know. If, I don't think like she, is she just a celebrity name, or or like how much is like does Kim Fields go like does she go she, to like Madagascar? And, <laughs> like does Kim Fields have a farm in Ethiopia? Like I have so many questions. Like you know, part of the Marley fortune is 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 coffee mm-hmm. in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So so. How much? It how th- much is Kim Fields involved in this? Well, I mean, it's hers. It's it's signature blends by KF Kim Fields. Um, it's it's a wholesale, full service wholesale distributor of coffee teas and coffee dry rubs, offering high quality gourmet coffee and beverage services to small businesses, corporations, and they're located in Georgia. Have been work. Uh, since 2017 no 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 how much is like uh, sort of like the I know, Cop- I know like the wanna... Coppola vineyards like how much is Kim Fields involved this is her in the production of these coffee beans see now now we need to know I I I that I dude you brought it up I know I know I'm looking for information on that um she's she's the owner you gonna keep owner saying owner founder is Kim Fields out there with a sack? I don't think she's pulling coffee beans. I don't think Kim Fields is out with a sack, but she's a person. She, she... is she a roaster? <laughs> like is she in there with the big stick? With the big stick doing the beans as they roast. You ever see the the roaster? Like does she roast small batches? I'm, 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 like, does she do tastings where, like, they have, like, five cups, and they say, Mrs. Fields, we've just brought in a crop. Would you like to do some tasting? And, like, she takes it and swishes it in her mouth. <laughs> and, like, aerates it. <laughs> and she says, ah, this has, this has hints of raspberry in cinnamon. Um, that's that's me imitating Kim Fields doing the tasting because she has to aerate it. Okay, all right. I'm I'm getting I'm getting all of the information that I can about um her trying to find out more information about the coffee blend in particular. And you know I'm seeing information. I am fascinated by the tension in Janet Jackson as a public figure. As a black pop culture figure, and obviously as this huge pop star. Yes. We know her as Penny. Mm-hmm. I think there are men of a certain age that if you get 10 
black men in a room and you say, hey, who played Willis's girlfriend and what was her name? Willis Willis of Different Strokes. Of di- but see, that's what I'm saying. You wouldn't even have to say Willis of Different Strokes. That's true. You just had to say Willis and what was her name. And out of those 10 men, seven would say Charlene and that's Janet Jackson. That's very true. And then she transitioned into this pop star mm-hmm. who is part of this family. And I thought... I thought for a documentary, and and you and I talked about this, that, you know, clearly this is an official Janet Jackson documentary that Janet Jackson and Janet Jackson Productions put together. But you realize how much you really don't know about Janet Jackson? So even the Mm. little bit that you learn is more than you knew? Mm. And you know I love aspects of documentaries where they tell more than they think they're telling. Right. Like, you know, the absences, the absence of information. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, like, for instance... The, the talk around. The talk around. Like, what what we determine in my house is who I really want to have a bottle of wine with or maybe some Kim Fields coffee, a pot of Kim Fields coffee. Some Spike Kim Fields coffee. Is Reby Jackson. Yeah. Because mm. Reby Jackson... Got all the stories. She got all the tea. She got all the stories, and I suspect that when the camera's not on, Reby might talk a little more. So you know, I liked it. I like Jermaine Dupri more than I I thought I would. Would. Oh, I don't remember seeing him. Oh, oh, you haven't seen the second part yet. Sorry. I saw the I saw the second part. I don't remember him in there. Are you sure you were watching that and not an episode of the, the, Alf? There were the first two episodes that. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you saying first two episodes because two episodes came on in one night? Right. Got you. And there are four episodes. Right. I'm oh, saying, so the second four. The, the second right. Two the the, are the second two. Right. He's, oh, he's I on. Seen right. He's in the second half. Okay. Okay. That's, and which make, that which right. Makes so sense. that was a it was a fascinating peek into their their relationship, and and I like the way he talked about things. I still because they're no long, they're not in a relationship mm-mm. anymore, right? Yeah, I've not liked Justin Timberlake since the Super Bowl incident, and nothing in that documentary changed my opinion of that. Okay. Okay. As much as I think she, Janet maybe wanted to change my opinion of that. Mm. I got to check it out. I got to check. See. I only watched the first two episodes that first night, so mm-hmm. I haven't seen the second half. And what I've seen so far is, um, well, I think it's very cool to see a lot of the, you know, the home movie yeah. footage, especially because, you know, some of that footage you've kind of seen before, but a lot of it, which focuses on a younger Janet Jackson, you haven't, mm-hmm. or you haven't seen in so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of cool to see that. Uh, and it was nice to hear some lip service in regards to her relationship with her brothers at that time. Um, but I really felt at the end of the day, I felt like this was documentary, the cliff notes, like she talked about how, you know, she wanted to go to college, right? Maybe become a lawyer. Right. Um, there was no follow up on that. Right. You know, it you know, you understood that she couldn't go because her father forced pushed her to music. How does she feel about that? 
You know, how does she feel about that now? Right. You know, there wasn't, there was no, there was no, because this is produced in conjunction with Janet Jackson, there was no follow-up. There was no investigation of her thoughts and her feelings, right? And the documentary came, the reason why we have the documentary is because there was going to be a film crew following her in preparation for a tour that never happened. Mm-hmm. But they just wound up, you know, getting five years of all this footage. Well, I find it very amazing that in this first two episodes, there's not a lot of that footage. Oh, I mean, see, you can't have it both ways. Like you're saying you, it's the cliff notes, but like Janet, unless it, it, like Janet Jackson was Janet Jackson for 25 years before you get to this five years of footage. No, I understand that. But you can. But. To me, to me, if you're not using that time spent with her over these five years to ask her about her life and ask her about her feelings during all of these, all of, you know, these 25 years of her career and these moments that she that she's had and and juxtaposing all of this footage that you have with thoughts on a 40 something year old Janet's, you know, thoughts on those things now, then are you really, then what are you doing? You're really just presenting just, you know, this is a life. Right. But I think you get the sense where I got the sense that either everyone has told a version of my life Mm-hmm. Or, and I thought this was actually very powerful. No matter what I do, my story is always an ancil- ancillary part of Michael's story. Okay, fair. That this is me in a lot of ways taking control of my own narrative. Okay. So while the, the five years of footage is the jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And the reason, you, you know, you get, yeah, I don't know, you get the financing or everything. I'm going to talk about all of Like, I'm going to talk about the fact that I don't, you know, I, I remember Gary, but my memories are completely different than the memories that many of us have seen. Like, yeah. like you know, we've heard the Jacksons. I've joked about it before, but like for many of us who are interested in Jackson's, that Jackson's miniseries, you know, Jackson's an American story. Like we've seen that house. We've seen everything through the perspective of the brothers, mm-hmm. the older brothers. Mm-hmm. And it really was almost like a funhouse mirror version of the story that you think, you know, and then, you know, well, I'll just stick to the first half. So so the first half ends where? Because the second half really kind of deals with Michael Jackson and, and... The first half pretty much ends with... And the controversy. With, and and with, then with the Super you know the Super Bowl. And then you see other things as well. You, you see the second half. You see the second half of her relationship with um, old boy. Renee. Renee. Right. And, you know, they talk about Jermaine Dupree mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But, um, you know, I think you, I think 
I think you kind of get what you get from the Jacksons. You, you know, you kind of yeah. you kind of get what you get. Yeah, and I have a well, yeah, and I have a little bit of a problem with that. But I mean, you have a little bit of a problem with them not giving you everything you want. It's not everything that I no. It's it's not that I want everything that I want because you're never going to get that. Right, right. Which, which is fair. Right. It's it's their story. It's their story. It's their story. But to me, if you, I don't know, it, and. And maybe it's possible. It's not fair for me to to say this, having not watched the 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 second half. So oh, I'll let, let me, you know. Go ahead. So let me, because <laughs> you want to hear it. Um, it, it just just to me, it, it it feels like this is an opportunity, like you said, for her to tell her story, the way she wants to tell, it. the way she wants to tell it. And I feel like the way that she wants to tell her story is just talking around your story. And if you just talking around stuff, and if you're just going to talk around it, then just don't talk. Then, then don't talk. Well, based on what I've seen. No, so oh, no, 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 no. Let's be clear there throughout. There is a theme throughout and and you know not to talk out of school but like you me and toya had a version of this conversation our 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 social media maven and certainly i think she's only your social media maven right now she (laughs) she is she is hates me right now she loathes me and, and certainly you know me and wendy both being the children of black women and being around old black women like there is a very much the use of the black rhetorical strategy mm-hmm. of talking around things. Yes. But for me, and I told you this, to me, that's part of the joy of it. Like I've been black long, like I've been black long enough. Mm-hmm. I know when old black people are talking around something. Yeah, I hear you on that. And I- there's so much of it. Like I said, Reby Jackson, you could teach a rhetoric class. Yeah. By just Reby Jackson's spots. No, that's true. But, but like, if this was if this was Ken Burns, Janet Jackson, right? Then the the Janet Jackson would be saying, "Oh, they got that wrong. They got this wrong. Right? Or whatever, whatever, whatever." So, when you say that you are going to take part in producing this documentary of yourself. Right. right? And especially when you're, as you said, the mission is to tell your story. The way you want to tell your story. The way you want to tell it in your, in your own words, then just like you're inferring what's, you know, the real meaning behind what's said and what's not being said between what Reby is doing and what a lot of what Janet is doing that ambiguity is is there because they put it there and you have the opportunity to what you can without spilling all the tea you can still give more of give us more of a window into your your train of thought. You don't have to tell tell everything that happened, but you can still give a window into but the train of thought of things. There are certain things, whether we are talking about fairly or unfairly, because I think she I, I think she kind of addresses this too. The fact that because she's a public figure, mm-hmm. her fans in the public feel like they should have access to aspects of her life, her personal life. 
Right. There are aspects of her personal life that whether she says something or not, like she just can't not address it. I know. So I got to figure out how I'm going to address it mm-hmm. because I have to address it mm-hmm. because if I don't address it, that is addressing it. Right. Frankly. So whether we are talking about her romantic entanglements, whether we are talking about her relationship with her brothers, mm-hmm. um, whether we're talking about who did and did not participate in the documentary, mm. because that that's that's something. Yeah, it is something like it's non. I mean, it's eight Jackson children alive. And it's only like so far. I think I've only seen like four. I, I don't even know what four you saw because it's Tito. It's Tito, Rebe, and Randy. Oh, you're right. I thought we saw. I thought we saw Jackie, but we don't. No, you no. don't. No, we don't. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, you're right. Well, you knew Latoya wasn't. I mean, I didn't know that. Oh, I know. I mean, I, 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 I mean, don't think, I don't think they. I don't think they've made up with. Latoya. I, I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Like I don't know. I will say this. We're, we're, so, so I'd say all that to say, like you said, if this was Ken Burns, Janet Jack, I, I think maybe not to put words in your mouth, but maybe your issue is that it's you want like like when you say you want a documentary. You want a documentary, yeah, yeah, and and I get the sense. Again, Janet is going to tell her story the way she wants to tell her story, mm-hmm. which is not going to be Ken Burns, with all of this information. Yeah, I hear that, but like, and frankly, take it or leave it. No, and that's true. Yeah. But like I pointed out to you and and Toya. Mary J. Blige has a documentary that's pretty much doing the same thing. Yeah, that's that's it's much that's, shorter. That's oranges and tangerines. Though. Well, no. like there really is no equivalent to Janet Jackson. No, 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 no. As big as Mary J. Blige, no, she is not the equivalent of Mar- of, of Janet Jackson in scope. I'm I agree with that. But what I'm saying is that her documentary pretty much is doing much of the same thing that Janet is purporting to do in this four part documentary, which is kind of try to grab hold of her narrative and tell her story the way that she wants to do it. And in in the Mary J. Blige documentary, I feel that it is done one more artfully done because I, I think that the Janet Jackson documentary is not that well put together as a documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that without spilling all the tea, Mary J. Blige still allows you a window into her her mindset, into her heart, into how she's how she is is feeling now. Felt at the moments of these crucial um, times in her life, as revealed in the documentary, and as a way of uh, trying to give you a little bit more understanding of who she is. And I feel at least from what I've seen so far mm-hmm. that that's what Janet is trying to do in this in this documentary and I it's not connecting with me. I I don't think First of all, I think Janet Jackson and Mary J Blige are two different type of artists. I think Mary J Blige's real appeal has been that level of intimacy 
Fair enough. That she has shared with her audience. Fair enough. That was never Janet. Right. I also think because Janet Jackson has literally been in the public eye mm-hmm. since she was damn near a toddler. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 and, and you know, part of the reason I'm a sucker for the, like, I'm a sucker for all this old footage. And, and some of that footage from like the Jackson family hour, you forget just how young she was. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and she just never had a chance to say, basically, I don't want to do this. Like, I think she's just even a, though when you look at listen to the clips, she's saying it all along. No, 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 no. I'm I sorry. Let me let me be clear. Let me be clear. She said it, mm-hmm. but nobody listened to well, her. Well, the, yeah, like I this is big. look, this is the family business. Well, this yeah. is what the Jacksons do. And then you fool around and, and you're good at it. Like there's I don't know if it's in the first part now where she says her fatal error was that she was fooling around. In, in the in the in the studio and left something on the boards. Yep, and dad heard. And then her her father heard and was like, "Oh my goodness, we got another Jackson." Yeah, yeah. So and th- and th- now I will say this again. I would have liked to, for them to dig it into it a little bit more, but I will say this that I that moment mm-hmm. when she talks about how she really wanted to go to college, mm-hmm. she really wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um. And even in some of those clips of interviews, when her star is rising, mm-hmm. you know, a, as a singer, you could see, uh, or at least I could sense a little bit of wistfulness in her because, you know, I'm here, but I really don't want to be here. Right. Or I don't really want to be out, out, out front here. Or again, I don't know how much of a choice I had. Well, no, she was not given a choice. Like, like how much of a choice, a choice I cause, had. Because, you know, Joe saw talent, push it forward. He had already lost control of the brothers and, and then saw Michael meteor, meteoric rise. He wasn't going to let that, that this pass him by. So, no, he, and, you know, and she was daddy's little girl. So she was doing what she, doing what she did. She didn't have a choice. But I think that that show the pain of that mm-hmm. for lack of a better word is evident in her face right and i think that and, this, and again i think that this is a moment this is a moment where the documentary could have could have leaned in but see but 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 see i i i read that completely differently like to me that's the beauty of it like you said it's all on her face like I don't need the I don't I don't need the Morgan Freeman voiceover. This was the moment that many would say that Janet Jackson thought about the path not taken. No, I don't need the Janet ja- I don't need the Morgan Freeman voiceover. That's the moment when Janet Jackson speaks to. She that. don't want to talk about that. And again, but that that's like I think you want stuff from her that she's she didn't want to do. She's not gonna give it to you. Then don't do the documentary. No, I'm gonna do it the way I want to do it. All right, all right, we're going so, we're, we're right, going around it. Right, 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 right. Because you know we need to talk about the fact that they didn't have anybody from Different Strokes on there. They didn't even mention. They did. They, 
But see, they didn't even mention Dog, strokes. That's what I'm saying, though. Like to me, that was the beauty of this thing. I'm like, there's another documentary. I'm like, I was like, you were on Fame for three weeks. I know. Why are we talking about Fame? Like, we just not going to mention different strokes? Nope. Nope. Why are we not mentioning different strokes? I don't know. I don't know. So that, yeah, that fascinating. But, but you, but you, well, let's, let's. We didn't mention Bobby Brown either, so I don't know. Well, you know, she said, <laughs> she said, like, like I was joking with y'all. She said, you know, I'm always attracted to men with drug problems, and at some, they, they do acknowledge that Renee. Well, had yeah. Some issues. So I guess him and James would be two people. They but have- when she said it after James, I was like, you've only mentioned one man. Mm-hmm. So who's did? Oh, are you alluding to Bobby Brown? But we're not gonna say his name. Of course not. So, but you're right. We need because I'll sit here and talk about this for the next hour. I wish this was in theaters. We could have said a review. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Camilla uh, Will zero three. I'm sorry if I'm misreading that. Says she agrees with Len because it gave nothing. Um, and Farrell Blackwell says the Morgan Freeman voiceover <laughs> laughed my butt off. All yes. right, there you go. All right. So there you go. It, it, uh, Vincent, it's time. It's time. It's time for the, the, the game show that is sweeping the nation. It's, it is, it is terrible. Somebody finally broke down and joined everybody and was, do- I'm doing wordles. Did you? So, I, I haven't even. So I just sit around and think of five letter words and ways to connect people to Derville Martin. This is my life now. Wow. I I haven't. I, I've heard about Wordles. I haven't yeah, downloaded it. And now I see the New York Times bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And they said they're going to leave it for free for now. Oh, please. I'm like, oh, they are not, not, they are not, they're not going to tell me that the first hit is free. Oh yeah, yeah. But yes, let's let's go. Let's get to six degrees of Dervil Martin, the thespian Dervil Martin. You have two choices, Vince. Ooh, two choices. Do you want choice A? Okay. A actor rapper, or choice B, a actor singer. I'm gonna go with actor rapper. Actor, rapper. Actor, rapper. Rapper, right. actor. <laughs> a raptor. <laughs> Can you get in six degrees from Derville Martin? Derville Martin to Ice Cube. Oh. I'm not even going to take the easy way. What did I miss? I missed something. Come on, man. You can get to him through through far. Like, Ice Cube's in Boys in the Hood. Like, you can get to Lawrence Fishburne in, like, five different ways. You know what? I won't use Lawrence Fishburne. All right. So, let's see. Let me get to Ice Cube. <laughs> in, in six moves In or six less. moves or less from Derville Martin. Without using Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Farrell Blackwell said, please let the rapper be Ice Cube. <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> to you. <laughs> All right. Derville Martin is in. 
that's easy too. I'm, I'm trying to have fun with it. Like I'm trying not to just, just good. Cause, uh, I know, yeah. I, I know, I know Because the problem is, Ice Cube is in Friday with like four people that you can get to Dor- Derville Martin. Come on, Chris Tucker is in Jackie Brown with Samuel Jackson. Oh. Uh, what's what's my man's name? What's Bang Bang Bang? Oh, uh, uh, John Witherspoon. John Witherspoon. Okay, here we go. Let's have some fun. Derville Martin is in Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. Yes. Rudy Ray Moore is on in five on the black hand side with an uncredited, but clearly that is him, Robert Townsend. Remember, Robert Townsend's in the band. That old boy is in at the beginning. He's not credited, though. So I can't use him? I mean, he's. I mean, clearly that's Robert Townsend. He's not credited. So I don't. you want me to use Robert Townsend? No, you can't use him. All right, fine. Is that on his IMDb? Uh, it actually is. Oh. But we won't use Robert Townsend. But, but we're still in five on the black hand side. Rudy Ray Moore is in five on the black hand side with Rosalind Cash. Rosalind Cash is in. Okay, so how will I get from Rosalind Cash to Ice Cube? Rosalind Cash is in. Rosalind Cash mm. is in mm. Uptown Saturday Night mm-hmm. with how many? Because I won't be too cute and lose my connection. How many have I used so far? I think you're at three. I'm at three. So Rosalind Cash is in Uptown Saturday Night with Oh, I'll just go ahead and do it. I mean, he's in there with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor is in. So I have two more. Gotta be able to get from Richard Pryor to Ice Cube. I mean, I was trying not to use the big name actors, but now I only have two more. So Richard Pryor is. In, I'm trying to think. So, yeah, I was also trying to think of what was Ice Cube in besides the barbershop movies in Friday that I could. Oh, I mean, he was in. Um, oh, okay. So, so is that Ice Cube in First Sunday? First Sunday. Yeah, where where they rob a church. Oh. I'm just trying to think of Ice Cube movies that I don't really use that much. I think that's him. I think that's him at first. He's Sunday. in First Sunday because I'm pretty sure Whoopi Goldberg's in that too. Really? Oh. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mm, yeah, it's cute. Is 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 Whoopi Goldberg in that? Mm, uh, not that I'm seeing. Right, who's old in that? There's some old people in that. Loretta Divine. Yeah, I'm not seeing Whoopi Goldberg. So I just start with Richard Pryor. 
So Richard Pryor is in Hollywood Nights. Your girl's in it. Who? In First Sunday? Yeah. Regina Hall? Yeah. Richard Pryor. I think I may have just messed up all my moves trying to go around because the easiest way is that. Well, go the easy route. Oh, well, the easy route is that Dervo Martin is in Sheba Baby with um, um, Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Pam Greer is in Foxy Brown with Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker's in Friday. Well, I got you the ice cube. All right. So there you go. <laughs> Who was the singer? The actor singer. Mm hmm. If you want to take a, a, a go at this is Anika Noni Rose. We did Anika Noni Rose. Did we? Oh, we did. We did. Well, scratch that. Because <laughs> you can get to her in Jingle Jangle and in um, Dream Girls. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, then, well done, Vincent. <laughs> Once again, your streak continues. <laughs> see, I see, see. I try to be, you know, go black. <laughs> I thought we. <laughs> I try to go black. Give me an old white guy, real quick. Give me an old white guy. Pick an old white guy, top of your head, that I would know. Like you can't do. <laughs> <laughs> Randolph Sebastian. <laughs> old white guy, no. Come on. Okay. I old got white you. guy, no. Give me old white guy right now. Top, top of your head. Jack Warden. Old white guy, I know. I don't know. If, I thought you were. How is Jack, Jack Warden? Warden? You don't know Jack Warden? Apparently not. All right. <laughs> Who is that, Lynn? He's a, he's a character actor. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, not some character acting one of them old dry ass movies that nobody watches but you. <laughs> Look, I just watched the. Very- I, I'm, I'm sure you did on Turner Classic Movies. Wuthering Doves of Hither Fitherton. No, it's the verdict with Paul Newman. You want to shit on the on the verdict? All right, old white actor, old white actor for you. Okay? Old white actor. Six degrees from Dervell Martin to. Martin Sheen. Never mind. No, 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 no. Because I, 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 I just did it in two movies. Right, right. Lawrence right. Fishburne is in Apocalypse, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Look, look. The old white actors, they, okay. get, they get around. Uh, they get around. What do you want me to do? All right. Dervell Martin to Ah. Boom. Here you go. Oh, here we go. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Dervell Martin to uh, Mark Hamill. You mean Mark Hamill, who was in four different movies with Billy D. Williams? That Mark Hamill? Okay, never mind. <laughs> or is there a different Mark Hamill? <laughs> I forgot about Billy D. Williams. <laughs> Look, I see Star Wars. I don't see black. I see black. I see dark. I see Darth Vader. So I don't see. Yeah, I totally right, forget right. Billy D. Williams. Right. Um. <laughs> Oh God! All right. Nobody from Star Trek. Well, no, because Whoopi Goldberg and Nichelle Nichols yeah, covers the old and new generations. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, Jesus. Um, uh, Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Olivier. See, that's good because I actually don't know anything he was in besides um, Lawrence of Arabia. No, yes, not he's, not in Lawrence, he's not in Lawrence. He's not in. Okay, okay, he's not La- the Lawrence of. Lawrence I was about to Olivier. say, you're right, you're right. Okay, Lawrence Olivier, <laughs> Lawrence Olivier, Lawrence Olivier. What was he in? I can give you one movie. It probably is not going to help you. What's his big movie? Well, his well, um, that you might know, the Marathon Man. No, he's in another big movie. Like the big Lawrence Olivier movie, I mean, is like uh, let's let's see, <laughs> let's, let's see. I mean, because that's a good one now. Lawrence Olivier is a good one because he did um, what is his uh, what, what he he did a lot of Shakespeare films, and I'm just drawing a blank on him right now. Um, because he did like some funky stuff in the '80s, didn't he? Or the '70s? When did he die? Oh wow, he he died um, back in 1989. Yeah, he he would he did one or two funky things. Well, he did. You know what he did? Uh, one of his last films, Clash of the Titans. Right. Yeah, he was uh, Clash of the Titans. I, I, I just remember that right now. Uh, his filmography. I'm pulling up his filmography right now. Weathering Heights. There you go. I'm going to go to like the 70s, 80s for you. The 80s. The uh, Clash of the Titans, the jazz singer. Oh, he was in Dracula uh, with Frank Langella. Okay. Because uh, he played Van Helsing. Um, he was in the Jigsaw Man, uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Was he in that with... Uh... Yeah, but it says archive footage. So it okay. Like use old old stuff what's his big one from the 60s and 50s like what's his othello. big fellow he was in othello he was in uh he was in spartacus wait right he was in spartacus with kirk douglas yes okay um mother and heights is like his real his real big thing and then you know pride and prejudice wait isn't our boy in in spartacus Willie, uh, um, Woody, not Woody. Oh, Woody Strode. Is is Woody Strode in Spartacus? That's a good question. I he might be. Uh, yeah, he is. He is in. He is in Spartacus. Yes. Yeah. So, Woody Strode. Okay. Derville Martin. And I don't know if I'm going to get this. Let me see if I let me see how quickly I can get to where I need to go. Dervo Martin is in Black Like Me with Raymond St. Jock. Yes. Raymond St. Jock is in. Oh no, I'm messing up. Cause um <clears throat> Oh no, I can do better than that. 
Dervo Martin mm-hmm. is in five on the black hand side. Right. With I just forgot our boy's name. Watermelon Man. Oh, uh, Godfrey Cambridge. Godfrey Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Godfrey Cambridge is in. Hmm. Hmm. Godfrey Cambridge. Oh, what was that movie I just saw him in? Is in. Oh, I actually got him. I got him. Dervil Martin is in Sheba Baby with Pam Greer. Pam Greer mm-hmm. is in Posse. Okay. With Melvin Van Peebles. Oh, yeah, because he's in that. Okay. Oh, no. No, is Pam Greer in Posse? She is. She is in Posse. And I'm, I'm trying to get to Melvin Van Peebles, but she's in Posse. With okay. Woody Strode. Woody Strode is in Spartacus with Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas is in, I'm sorry, with Mike Douglas. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. No, Kirk Douglas. Kirk, wait, was that, is that who I was trying to get to? Who am I trying to get to? I'm trying Lawrence to get to Olivier. Sir Lawrence Olivier. Right, and Kirk Douglas is in, um, you just said it, Spartacus. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. said Spartacus. Okay. You were right. done. All right, there you go. <laughs> I'm gonna let you just right, right. Off just, just just keep going. Right there, you go. Keep it moving, Lawrence. Like I'm right here. Right, right, right. So there you go. There you go. Lawrence Olivier was a good one. Yeah, he's a he's a good one considering, especially considering like you know, because he's like super famous. But I don't know anything he you was don't in. Know a lot of the movies. Yeah, then. like I knew I knew the Marathon Man. Which yeah, obviously maybe it's a, a you know you're not you're missing, and Clash of the Titans, but. You know, Clash of the Titans. And who's in Clash of the Titans except for Harry, um, Harry Ham- Hamlin? Harry Hamlin. Which, how do you get to Harry Hamlin? Clash of the Titans. Right. <laughs> I mean, because after that, he's in, he's on TV for the most exactly. part. Exactly. You know what I mean? Lawrence Olivier is a good one. Well, should have started with him. I, I was trying to, you know, <laughs> you trying to bet on black. Trying to bet on black. Trying to bet on black. No, never. All right. Yes, we do need hold music for Vince because Vince is. Uh, yes. Vince is long, but it's it's fun. All right. It's fun. All right. Ladies All ladies. right. That was six degrees of Durville Martin. Six degrees of Durville Martin. Let's get into our review of Dead Presidents. Okay. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. I'm about to get my pimp thing on started. Why are you always talking about this pimp stuff, man? What's happening? Women so pretty. Even man, I ain't afraid of no war. I just want to do something that's different. Yeah, well, getting your head blown off is different. <laughs> so then you gonna marry me when you get back? You ain't got somebody else. I don't want nobody else. To the Bronx. 
Now you're gonna play this Marine war hero. What you got when you get back here, huh? myself a good job. Don't you know if I had anything to offer you, I'd give it to you the moment you walk through that door. We don't need his money. And you can't even put food on your table. Me and Kirby got something in the works. Old bills, man, sometimes a couple million. All that money. a.m. the truck pulls out of the post office now it makes one stop before it goes to dc at first federal loan and savings you pull it off and you'll have money hands over fist i think we need another man on the street we might well put an ad in the paper then we're gonna get everybody i'm qualified to handle a 45 an m16 and ak-47 to society, Dead Presidents, a Hughes Brothers film. Well, that's Uncle Sam for you, baby. Money to burn. Dead Presidents, a 1995 American crime film produced and directed by the Hughes Brothers. The film chronicles the life of Anthony Curtis, played by Lorenz Tate, before and after Vietnam. This film de- depicts the struggle of returning war veterans of color who are neglected by the U.S. government and the mistreatment of Vietnam veterans. I, this film, as I mentioned, also co-written by the Hughes brothers, stars along with Lorenz Tate, Keith David, Chris Tucker, in Boucher Wright, in Bush Wright, Freddie Rodriguez. And a favorite here on the mission, Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem Woodbine. In Vincent's selection for this stop on the Michaud Vincent on the Michaud mission. Vincent, what say you of Dead Presidents? I think that Dead Presidents, much like the Hughes brothers' career in general. Mm-hmm where we really have four films from the Hughes brothers. Of course, the the legendary Menace to Society. Mm-hmm. We have this. We have their adaptation of Alan Moore's graphic novel, From Hell. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, the Book of, of Eli. Yeah. The key word is frustration. The key word is frustration. I think they are great filmmakers. But each of the films after Menace to Society, mm-hmm. something there, there, there's something that, that there, there's almost uh, um, a short circuit or a misfire 
hmm. that kind of gets in the way. Okay. What I thought about with this film was was that wonderful moment when you were a kid, usually in like the the, the second grade, usually the second grade, mm-hmm. where where when you start school, you start kindergarten, your parents buy you a box of crayons, eight crayons, sometimes 16 crayons, and those are your crayons. Mm-hmm. And then remember like the second or third grade when you got the box with 64 crayons. Yes, sir. And it was the most amazing thing. Yep. Having this box of crayons. Yep. That had so many colors. Mm-hmm. That for about a week, anything that you drew was just this hodgepodge of color. Because you had all of these crayons. Yeah. Des Presidents as a film that was made after their career-making debut, Men's to Society, mm-hmm. I got the sense that the Hughes brothers kept asking for things, and the studio just said yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you want to do for a follow-up? Okay, we're going to make a period piece. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. We. We 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 gonna make it a three part period piece. It's it's gonna be a coolie high riff. It's gonna be a Vietnam riff, and it's gonna be a bank robbery. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay, sure. We gonna have Lorenz Tate, okay, and Keith David, sure, and Jennifer Lewis, uh huh, and Inbush Wright, uh huh, and Clifton Powell, uh huh, and Terrence Howard, uh huh, and there's just so much. In this movie, mm-hmm. that in a lot of ways it doesn't get to breathe. This movie is right at two hours. Yeah. First half hour, you know, as I said a moment ago, you get this wonderful, basically postmodern coolie high. Mm-hmm. It's idyllic, it's the Bronx, it's the late 60s. Lorenz Tate who just go ahead and and cut and paste this to everyone in this film gives a wonderful performance. Mm -hmm. Like Lorenz Tate is able to embody this innocent young man Mm -hmm. as he's about to graduate from high school. Mm -hmm. His buddy played by Chris Tucker and Freddie Rodriguez as Skip and Jose. And they are three amigos. Yep. In, again, this very idyllic, almost wonder years, coolie high Bronx that hasn't been affected by the the, the, the ills of, of the civil rights era and, and drugs in Vietnam that's about to come. Keith David plays the, the local bookie. Yeah. Slash bar owner. And he is wonderful as, as Kirby. Mm-hmm. Rose Rose um Jackson who yeah. plays Juanita Juanita the girlfriend of Anthony who has not done a lot of acting no. but I she's really good mm-hmm. and much like Lorenz Tate I think this whole cohort of actors does a great job playing these characters mm-hmm. at different moments mm-hmm. 
in their lives because even though you you cover the span of five years a lot happens in those five years where all of these characters that portray young people uh rose jackson chris tucker uh freddie rodriguez i've been mentioned in bush right yeah who plays delilah who's rose young rose's younger sister Mm mm-hmm well, Juanita's younger sister. I'm sorry, Juanita's younger sister. And again, Lorenz Tate is Anthony. When we see them throughout this movie, mm-hmm. they really embody youth and adulthood well. Mm-hmm. This first part is fantastic. And frankly, I could have I spent two hours in this situation of them sort of navigating this space on the cusp of adulthood. At the half hour mark, we transition to Vietnam. Yeah. And now he's in Vietnam. I didn't mention this because again, it's an embarrassment of riches. You get one scene where you see Anthony's home life. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lewis plays his mother. Yeah. There's, there's, There's no more compliments I can give to Jennifer Lewis that she hasn't gotten already. In this scene, she is very much, once again, the mother of black Hollywood. We've not talked about him before, but James Pickens, who's probably most famous for being on Grey's Anatomy Mm -hmm. all these years, but he's a wonderful actor. Mm -hmm. He's in this one scene, once again, the Hughes brothers asking for things and no one says no. Mm -hmm. I need someone for one scene to play a character who is Anthony's older brother doesn't have many lines. I think he has two lines, mm-hmm. but I need to him. I need him to embody the type of person that Anthony feels frankly inferior to mm-hmm. an older brother, a perfect older brother that Anthony feels like he has to carve out his own path. Right. You know what? Let's get Isaiah Washington. Yeah. Put him in a sweater and a button-down shirt and some glasses. Give him one line. But everything you need to know about this family is right at that table, one scene. Right at that dinner table. So, again, this could have been been a whole movie. Mm -hmm. Just this this, this moment in time. Now we transition to Vietnam. Yeah. And he's recon. Mm-hmm. And and as 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 someone who has gone to the movies through the nineties, after um after we were just talking about the Sheens, for uh, oh uh, Apocalypse Now, after Apocalypse Now, after Full Metal Jacket, after and I was actually thinking about the movie that Charlie Sheen was in, and I just forgot that the famous Vietnam movie Platoon. Platoon. We all know the visual in cinematic language of the Vietnam film. Yes. The 20 minutes we're in Vietnam is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Again, Lorenz Tate is just just a magnificent actor. Chris Tucker, charming, sad, mm-hmm. funny, a little dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know what? Can we bring in Bokeem Woodbine? Can we add okay, can we add Bokeem Woodbine to it? Yeah, sure. Here's Bokeem Woodbine mm. in a fantastic mm. early performance 
as this soldier who's the son of a preacher and has his own issues. Oh, yeah. Has his own issues. You know who would be great? If we get Michael Imperioli for uh, 10 minutes. Okay, sure. Let's mm-hmm. get him too. Mm-hmm. It's this recon unit, which, again, is at the front. So they see a lot of action. Yep, yep. There's a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. The interpersonal relationship between this platoon is all on the screen. These are fantastic. There's a fantastic ensemble mm-hmm. for this 20 minutes. Yes. Once again, I could have watched an entire film yeah. of this platoon in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But now Vietnam's over. Yep. And now we're back in the world. Yes. Now they're all adults. Mm-hmm. Lorenz Tate is is has completely transformed from this innocent, wide-eyed youth of an hour ago. Mm-hmm. His whole cadence, his body language, everything about him is that this is someone who has been in recon. My favorite line in the movie, at the, because he's at dinner again with his parents, and 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 his mother is concerned. Because all of these soldiers who have come home have drug habits. Mm -hmm. And she says, you know, I want to make sure you're okay. I want to make sure you don't have any bad habits. And he said, and it is cold as ice. I didn't pick up any bad habits except for a little killing. Yep. And everything, this is is not Anthony from an hour ago. Mm -hmm. But now he's trying to make his way in the world. He gets back with his girl. They try to make a go of it. You know what? Clifton Powell. Let's bring Clifton Powell in too. Why don't we bring Clifton Powell in? Clifton Powell is now in it as as the 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 the, the gangster. Yeah. So now there's this tension with Anthony and his and his young family and Clifton Powell. Did I mention Terrence Howard is has been around? Go Terrence ahead. Terrence Howard's around. <laughs> Terrence Howard's around too. With a perm. With a perm. So now you have this wonderful character study Mm -hmm. of this soldier returning from Vietnam, the stress that he's under with the young family. Mm -hmm. His friend Skip is played by Chris Tucker, once again rising to the occasion. He's a drug addict. Yeah. His other friend Freddie is a little off now. Mm -hmm. The neighborhood is a little bit more dog-eared. You see transition. You see what drugs and poverty have have affected this neighbor are beginning to affect this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. In Bush Wright has grown up. Mm-hmm. Now she's a bit of a revolutionary. Mm, a bit. So now, say it together with me. This could have been a whole. This could have been a whole movie. Mm-hmm. I could have seen a movie that started with him coming home from Vietnam. Yes. And then all of this. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We got these posters with these characters wearing this white paint with the black on their eyes, this amazingly evocative image. So now we got to do a bank heist. Gotcha. So now there's a bank heist. Yeah. And they plan the bank heist. It's a caper. And of course, the heist goes wrong. And I have to say, I forgot that a few of the characters got away initially. Mm-hmm. But now... You have what always happens in the best the best versions of this story. 
even when you get away, there are still complications. Mm-hmm. Bokeem Woodbine character, Bokeem Woodbine's character has come back into it, and he's had now he's he's taken up his father's mantle, mm-hmm. and he's a preacher, and and he, and has hair, and has hair has been off the whole time. He's still a little off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now he's messing up with the money. Skip is still a drug addict. Anthony is still trying to figure things out. So, although I think I have, I don't have as strong of an argument with the other three parts of the narrative, I think there is a way you could have made a movie out of the heist. Oh, yeah. And things that go wrong with the heist. So that while I enjoy this film mm-hmm. a great deal, I really do, there does come a point in the movie where where and it happens sometimes with us where I start to think I I really like this how come I don't talk about this movie more and then as the film goes on I remember yeah and while there are pieces that are fantastic and across the board the performances are 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 amazing yes ultimately it's too much of a good thing frankly, for a two-hour movie. So while I, I will be recommending this, this is a film that, again, frustrates me hmm. because I wanted so much more with a little bit less. Gotcha. Gotcha. I hear what you're saying there. I hear what you're saying there. Um, I like that you shout out the cast because the cast is amazing top down, right? Um, what you have to remember that in 1995, most of these actors aren't who they would become mm-hmm. you know even for even though Keith David has been around he still Keith, Keith David has has and always will be first and foremost in the films a character actor a character actor that you can depend on you know a, a great piece of seasoning but he's he you know the world had not seen him like as this lead actor you know what I mean mm-hmm and tremendous voice that you hear on in you know in, in in voiceovers and animation and everything like that and um but he he's not he's he's Keith David to us but the world doesn't know him as you know that Keith David. Mm-hmm. Lorenz Tate is just be, his star is just on the rise at this time, you know. Um Terrence Howard you know he's years away from becoming the superstar that he would become you know for a lot of them so so to get them at this moment in time is is great for Hughes brothers and you know Michael Imperioli you you pointed out in the Vietnam scenes this is years before the Sopranos Mm -hmm. you know nobody even knows he's just he's just probably somebody the Hughes brothers know or who just came in for casting and was like ah yeah you're good enough um so to get them at this time for this film is like lockdown perfect I want to spend a little bit of time with Lorenz Tate primarily because, like I said, at this point, his star is on the rise. He's just coming out of the inkwell, which may have been filmed around the same time as this. But as you noted, his superstar turn is in Menace to Society, which is a totally different character (laughs) than the character that he plays in this. His character in Menace to 
menace to society is a menace to society. He mm -hmm. is a like just as hard edged as it as it comes, right? He is and in this film, you're right, he's this wide eyed innocent um who becomes hardened by what he sees in Vietnam. And I just like you pointed out, enjoyed Lorenz's performance because you see it throughout his body. His body doesn't really change so much, and yet somehow as a high school student, he still looks very much like a high school student. And then as he makes his way through Vietnam, because he's in Vietnam for a number of years, it almost seems feels like you see his body change mm -hmm. become more muscular and maybe it's because it's displayed more or whatever but you 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 see it become muscular and, and and rippled and then when he comes home you you see him still taught still you know like in good shape but as the weariness of him trying to reconnect with society after the war plays on you see his shoulders sag a little bit you see you see though the man Lorenz Tate refuses to show age mm -hmm. I swear his middle name is Benjamin Buttons but you still see that weariness on his face in this movie you also see intense internal anger that he is just that it's just boiling, just bubbling to 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 get out, um, and it and it is all on on display and 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 yet in very subtle ways by Lorenz Tate acting in this film. So, kudos to the man mm -hmm. who's starring in this for his walk in this film, and you shouted out a a number of other performances, Chris Tucker. You recognize Chris Tucker, but then there are moments that you forget that Chris Tucker is a stand-up comedian. If you see me meet him in the beginning, he feels like he's a high school student, but he also feels like he's Chris Tucker playing a high school student. Mm -hmm. And even some parts of when he is in Vietnam. But as that experience weighs on him, he no longer is Chris Tucker, the comedian. He is... He is this actor. He is he is Skip, his his friend Skip, and he is a troubled, deeply troubled man, and it becomes a mesmerizing performance. You can't take your eyes off him, and it and to a degree, it becomes a bit of a uh, uh, a sorrowful performance. Mm -hmm. You know, in retrospect, because not long after this. Chris Tucker does Rush Hour, mm. and then he never returns to the right. the the acting. I was about to say the heights. actor is gone. Yeah, the actor yeah. is totally gone, and what is on display here is just just incredible. You know what what the world lost from this from this man if he really followed through. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but and, and you know, Bo King Woodbine, like, look, Bo, Bo King Woodbine, <laughs> Bo King Woodbine somehow 
fits into the movie and yet is in his own movie. Love. Right? And, and you just don't <laughs> that, even care. That's Bokeem Wood. You just described Bokeem Woodbine. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You're like, he, he works. <laughs> And yet he's on a separate screen. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. how this is making sense. Yeah. But that that is what the man is doing, he, and 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 it works. Um, and Bush Wright is 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 good in this film too. She's not given much to 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 do yet. She is asked to turn on a dime because you you see her as playing very young and useful in the beginning and the next thing you know she's afroed up and she's like you know she's got all this you know military and 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 gun experience and like yeah i'm down viva la revolutionary let's get it down you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so you know um so it, it it turns on a on a dime there but i like that because as you pointed out this film moves from high school to vietnam to after vietnam and it, with that span of time, it has, you know, in any other movie, it would be played out as this grand epic. Mm-hmm. And it does have a bit of that scope to this film. But I think that it's amazing that this is just five years. Mm-hmm. This is not, you know... The life of Anthony Curtis. No, this is five years. And in those five years, you can see exactly how much he changes. Mm -hmm. But you can also see how much his world changes. You can almost you can see how much everybody else changes. It makes sense that in Bush Wright's character goes from youthful to turn on a dime revolutionary. He was gone for those five years. And in those five years, you can see the decay that has happened in his city, you know, where he lived. It is no longer this idyllic place that almost feels like, you know, you stepped out of a Frank Capra movie, mm-hmm. you know, Circa the Bronx. It, it's a lot harder edge. Somehow, even the more seedier sides that you're kind of showing in the beginning have a, a lot more wear and tear and mm-hmm. dampness on it. Kirby's spirit is 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 totally down. This father figure, this mountain of his of a man who he looked uh, he looked on on high for for inspiration and and guidance is now just you know this guy just just trying. I'm just trying. He's like now he's just a straight straight uh criminal actually he's yeah just, like before he's kind of like hiding in the switches and now he's just straight like yo I'm, you know i need something like, mm-hmm. let's let's make it happen um i, I think it's kind of cool that that happens in five years because it shows you just how quickly a term a neighborhood can change just mm-hmm. how quickly your circumstance can change um so I thought that was smartly done. There's a lot of smart touches in this movie. You, the transition from high school Anthony to Vietnam Anthony as seen from jumping over gates trying to escape Juanita's yeah. house to all of a sudden he's running from gunfire in the, the jungles of Vietnam was beautiful, mm-hmm. expertly done. I think the Hughes brothers, you're right. Are, are, they're given all the toys to play with, uh, for, uh, for that that a director could want, and they are not wasting any of it. it. And 
in doing so, I feel that they are having fun with that, but they're still being economical. I think they're still making very smart choices with how they are shooting this film. And for that, I reveled in it. Watching this film again, I enjoyed it. I think one of the reasons why this is a film that gets lost in it uh, in the sauce a bit is because there's no happy ending. No, no, not at all. There's no happy ending really for anyone in this film. No, not at all. And in displaying these people as they were youthfully and as they are, you know, five years later, you can see what has happened. That youthful, you know, uh, uh, um, innocence has been grayed. And there are a lot more, a lot more levels to all of them, their circumstance and how they're getting by in this circumstance. And you can't help, but even though it asks some hard questions of you, but, you know, uh, empathize and see yourself in a lot of these characters. And you pointed out one of the main ones, and that is Juanita. Mm-hmm. Juanita, his, 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 you say girlfriend, but really, she was just, you know, the girl he liked in high school. Right. You know, and his the, the the first time he made love was with her. Well, as it so happens, the first time he made love, he hit the bullseye. Yeah, yeah. And found himself with a daughter that he didn't know about. Well, he knew about. Right. And I also like the, I like the commentary of him being away at war. And, you know after corresponding back and forth with Juanita stopping because he, 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 he wouldn't be able to continue being the soldier that he had to, he had to be right with the thoughts of them on his mind. Right. They, he had to already, and you hear this in, in uh, from soldiers, you have to already see yourself as dead so that you can get the job done. Otherwise, if you, You'll never, you'll never do it. And he had to do that. Yeah. And then when he returns home, I like that Juanita calls him out on that. Absolutely. As, as she should, because she wasn't there. Right. She, and, and even if, and as much as he might tell her why, what he did, what he did, she couldn't understand that. Right. You had to experience that. So she was right to call him out on that. Right. And, I appreciated that. There were some things that she maybe some people might think she went a little bit too far, but there are some people who might say he went a little bit too far. Right. I mean, I I think you you have to acknowledge, like you said, just how young they still are. Right. You know. But 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 as young as they are. How much they're how much they've grown up, right, right. How much they've had to deal with, yeah. in those five years. In those five years, yeah. And and I, I, just to underline what you just said, I I admired more today than I ever have how much Juanita's voice mm-hmm. is given space. Me too. Where I, where I think it really complicated. A narrative that she's a shrew mm-hmm. or the bad guy mm-hmm. or this like I, I really appreciate today how the film 
lets you understand the 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 strain she's been under. Yes. And the choices she had to make. And she and it and it, you're right. And it plays fair with her because she's being true to him. Right. Yet she's not taking his shit. Right. Even though the shit that he's given, he can't help it because of where he's been and what right. and the frustrations that he's feeling that's you know it's a frustration that veterans feel in general sure but certainly veterans of color felt it even more right returning to this returning to uh home that doesn't have anything for you right and 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 vietnam i think just culturally is the first war mm-hmm. that set up the language that we have now. Yes. For so like like it was it was it was it's only a moment and and they really it's kind of on the nose, but I appreciated the judge at the end. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, who served in World War Two, mm-hmm. being dismissive mm-hmm. of Vietnam. Yeah. Because it's 1973, right? And it's very much was some of the attitude for people. And then, as you said, when you when it's exacerbated by the fact that he's black, mm-hmm. it's even worse. Yeah. So. So it. I mean. So. I think that's what that's the main reason why this film falls through the cracks. Then also, it, you're right. It's a film that it it is two hours. Right. It's a solid two hours. Well, I also think, frankly, it was a bit of a bait and switch mm-hmm. i think because of the advertising the advertising because everyone highlights said, the caper it, it highlights the caper and it's it was immediately an iconic image yes of them in the makeup and and which within the context of the story and is a little ridiculous the makeup yeah it just yeah. looks it, so cool it looks cool but it makes no it sense. makes no sense no so sense. you think you're going into you know from the makers of minutes to society and yeah mm-hmm. that wonderful image mm-hmm. of lorenz tate and in bush right in this makeup mm-hmm. but it's it's i mean you, you get a shot on in the beginning where you see the makeup and then maybe three four minutes well you get a little bit more than that of the and, actual heist and and to be fair the heist itself which goes askew like you mentioned and is a dumb plan right as they mentioned i'm glad they i'm glad he calls out his own stupidity yeah it does play out pretty it's it's an action-filled scene yeah it is but it's an action-filled scene well yeah well yes yes but you know like you come in for lorenz tate in the makeup in two guns and you get you a get a two v- a two hour character study yeah period piece you get a Vietnam movie you know you get born on the Fourth well, of July well and Cooley High and Cooley High yeah 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 but I, you know what I didn't have a problem with it I still in, enjoyed pretty much every moment on the screen um, I like the the directorial choices I even like. This is a quick aside. That there's a moment where Lorenz Tate goes into Kirby's pool hall when he comes back. Yeah, and it's a la the Spike Lee moment on the Steadicam. And again, I'm I'm sorry, 
This is the second directors that I seen use Spike Lee's guy on a steady cam, you know, technique mm-hmm. and do it better than Spike Lee. Okay. Like I I just thought it looked so Look cool. It's a great moment. And again, it's this wonderful contrast mm-hmm. between Anthony going in the pool hall as this sort of bright eyed, bush bushy tailed kid. Mm-hmm. And now Anthony, who's come back from Vietnam and he's a man. Right. And can and navigates the space as a man. It's a little on the nose when you have the when you have the second scene with um Terrence Howard's character and they're actually playing the big payback. Yeah. But <laughs> you really do see how, to your point, talking about Juanita not understanding what he's been through. It's funny and it's very satisfying to see Anthony beat Terrence Howard to within an inch of his life. Mm-hmm. But you realize that Terrence Howard's character doesn't understand who he's talking to right now. Right. This is not the kid about to graduate from high school. Yeah. This is someone who has been in Vietnam again in recon mm-hmm. for five years. Yeah. He, he ain't no toy. You, but you, what you also recognize there, I think, is that Terrence Howard's character, Terrence Howard's character is the guy who pulls a knife on Anthony earlier in the film. When young when boy, he's a kid, when he's a kid, yeah. But but also when Terrence Howard's character is, you know, the idea of, you know, the tough guy in the neighborhood. I think it's very interesting juxtaposition that you see Anthony, yes, return the favor in spades to Terrence Howard later mm-hmm. after a war. But speaking to our other man, when he comes back across Clifton Powell's character and Clifton Powell, the snake charmer that he is in the role that the man was made to play comes out and shows and and they have their tete-a-tete. It lets Anthony know like, yo, this is what <laughs> tough guy dude in the neighborhood looks like now. I felt like the U.S. Army should have come and grabbed Clifton Powell and dropped him in Vietnam. Word? And he could have wrapped the whole thing up in a couple of days. With his long nails and, and, his, and his lollipops. Woo. Woo. That was, and, and what I also loved about that scene there was no payback on Clifton Powell. No. <laughs> well, look, there was you, no payback. You're gonna have Powell. to kill him, right? Because also, Clifton Powell was out of pocket. He was out of pocket, but Clifton Powell was also speaking truth. He he was 100. He was 100 yeah. speaking truth. You know, I mean, like he was out of pocket because he had no business coming up there dropping them, that money on that woman. But he did, he just, yeah, but also I don't think Clifton Powell goes anywhere uninvited. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. But man, that was that was such a riveting, great scene. In, yeah. Oh yeah. In this movie, and and, and uh, again, like you know, that was another moment where his his anger is there because you know, yeah, he probably, you know, he wanted to just 
go at it, but he couldn't. Right. It, it's right. Look, to be clear, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's way overstuffed. Mm -hmm. To your point, I think that's a very good point that this is still relatively early in the career of a lot of these actors. Yeah. So arguably the Hughes brothers may not have known just what a bounty of course they had yeah, they getting really good actors. Right. Right. But like good actors that can carry a film, like every one of these actors could damn near carry this movie by themselves. Mm -hmm. And okay. Arguably they don't know that. And like I said, I think it's just so much story jammed in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, dare I say, I love this movie. I, you, you know, I love the movie. But again, I'm frustrated because I wanted basically three separate movies, either, arguably four. Either three separate movies or make the epic that you want to make. And give it maybe a, a, a little bit more room to breathe. Right. Th this is one of the few films that the recommendation is maybe it should have been longer. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, I, I did want to mention this a little bit, that I found it interesting, the James Pickens character who plays Anthony's father. Yeah. Again, maybe three lines? Maybe. Be because the first scene... He, what does he say besides I'll go talk to your mother? It's all it's all expression. It's all on his face. It's all on his face. Um, but I thought that it was interesting that he is the only person in this movie outside of guys that went to Vietnam with him. He is the only person in this movie who gives any there's any type of inference that he understands what he's going through. He understands yeah. Anthony's. Um, decision about joining the Marines and he also understands Anthony what Anthony's going through when he returns from the Marines he's the only character that, that you're, you're given an, uh, an inkling may have a clue as to what he's going through yet he's never given a moment to express it look again to me that scene at the dinner table mm -hmm. when he announces he's going to join the Marines mm -hmm. it's perfection it's actually everything you need to know about these two sons mm -hmm. and these parents mm -hmm. and Isaiah Washington's character do they even name him I don't I don't even think so as the favored son right who went to college got his degree now he's going to go to law school mm-hmm Jennifer Lewis's energy with Isaiah Washington, you can you know exactly who he is. Yeah. As you said, the father sitting there eating his dinner, you can tell he's trying to nap. You get the sense he knows. Yeah. That Anthony's going to go to the army. I mean, go to the yeah, Marines. go to to the Marines. He's just trying to de he, he's just trying to navigate this. Yeah. Isaiah Washington's character is Jennifer Lewis's son. Mm -hmm. This is my son. You get all of that. How long? How long is? How long are they at the dinner table, Lynn? Not long. Three minutes. Maybe. Four minutes. Maybe. Jennifer Lewis has a speaking part. Lorenz Tate has a speaking part. Isaiah Washington says one line, and then as we said, James James um Pickens, James Pickens. yeah is just eating his dinner. Yeah. 
it's 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 a master class. Like it's a beautiful and and this is something I was listening to our Minister Society episode earlier too. But this is something that the Hughes brothers do magnificently. Mm-hmm. Set a scene. Like just just scene to scene. You can pull a scene out and I'm just gonna watch this scene. Yeah. Yeah. And there's scene after scene like this in this film. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a hell of a movie. It's a hell of a movie. A lot of people in the chat were, you know, caping up for this movie as well as they were big fans of the soundtrack. I was about this. Look, hey, studio, can y'all get me the clearances to slide a family stone? A whole bunch of 70s music? Isaac Hayes, Walk On By, The Big Payback, James Brown, I'll Be Around the Spinners. Never gonna give you up, Barry White. Oh my goodness! Oh my God! Uh, if there's a hell below, we're all going to go by Curtis Mayfield. Please. Do right, woman, Aretha Franklin. I feel like this film began a reappreciation of Isaac Hayes because mm. the way they use Isaac Hayes's music in this film. Well. Yeah, but but it makes sense because Isaac Hayes probably more so than a lot of performers, Barry White maybe being the exception, is a composer first. And his music is cinematic. Yeah. His it is actually cinematic. Yeah. Also, a shout out to shout out to because I didn't even peep it. I love the opening credits with like the burning of the mm-hmm, the, the, money. the money. Yeah. I didn't know that the score was Danny Elfman. How about that? I did not know that. And How about I, and that? I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, you get lost in the soundtrack the rest of the way, but that opening score is very evocative. And, and I have to say, I run hot and cold with Danny Elfman. Me too. Because Me a too. lot of Danny Elfman scores sound like Danny Elfman doing a Danny Elfman riff. Mm, yeah, yeah. Some of them, yeah. So, yeah. I yeah, do appreciate I, I when, I, when I hear him trying to be a little different. And this, yeah. This sounded pretty cool. Yeah. Because it... What I appreciated it mostly is because that, like you said, that image, the poster image sets you up for a vibe. Right. And his score, I think, gives you that vibe without, you know, being on the nose. Right. At all. It still is very cinematic. It still right. Is, it feels epic, like the movie, oh, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yearns to be. Yeah. You know? Um, with all that being said, Vincent, would you recommend Dead Presidents? I would absolutely recommend Dead Presidents. I would absolutely recommend Dead Presidents. I think, again, I'm going to keep coming to frustration, but it's frustration born out of love. Mm-hmm. It really frustrates me that we only have these four films I from know. the Hughes brothers. I know. and it, I mean, even if you fold in American Pimp, which is a documentary. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like they had so much, or they have so much, and they're still so young. They're about, forty nine. I was old. about saying. I was. I was just about to say they're not dead, but right. but it does seem like, like, you almost have to watch all of their films. I mean, there's only four. You might as right, well. right. Um, but it, but yeah, I would absolutely recommend. It's amazing that they have not done a film uh, since. The Book of Eli, Book of Eli. Which is 2010. Yeah. And how long was it between um, From Hell in the Book of Nine Eli? Nine years. I was about to say, it was like 10 years between that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, I would absolutely recommend Dead Presidents. So would I. Uh, so would I. Um, it is an engaging film. You know, I think it's enjoyable as a drama. I don't know. I don't know if it will be necessarily an enjoyable experience. I'm actually saw that in the chat. A couple of people were mentioning that you know um, some of the war scenes were a little triggering for them because of, because of their own experiences or experiences of people that they have known. It's look, which it, which I think is you know you know probably run into that problem with a lot of you know well forms. And, and when they're done well when they're done well with yeah. the realist realism that this movie definitely lent this th th there's another th there's another thing this movie the Hughes brothers were given all the toys and all the squibs that yeah. they could use there is a there is a lot of blood in this movie. look you said it you see the trend I think oftentimes with the war movies and certainly during the 90s when after platoon and full metal jacket yeah they were kind of churning them out it became almost cliche yeah. of the the soldier that goes to war and then comes back changed because mm -hmm. he's quote-unquote i've seen things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dead presidents shows you that 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 this character has actually gone through something yeah so yeah and i, and I love that he never really he he never really says the I seen thing no line no you know, there's like a little dream sequence right you get the really, nightmare and and that's it and like you said it's all on his on his face and in his body language yeah yeah good film yeah absolutely absolutely very good film we didn't even we didn't even talk about Kirby dropping down and rolling on the ground. When he gets his leg taken, look, man, in one of the funniest scenes in movie history, I could have watched an hour of young Anthony running errands for, for Kirby. For Kirby, yeah, the one-legged, yellow-toothed <laughs> numbers runner. Numbers runner. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. Tamisha Kirkland says the ice. The Isaac Hayes joint was such a vibe oh. in the moment. Indeed. In indeed. And Blue Girl 718 love the soundtrack. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh there were two. Was there, there were two soundtracks? There were two of them, right? Yeah, because the first one was so successful they put out another one. Yeah. 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 It was it's one of the great 90 soundtracks. Most definitely. All right. Before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to get, share all of your thoughts and your uh, opinions. Email us at the Michelle Mission at gmail.com. That's Michelle, M I C H E A U X M I S S I O N. Like and follow us on all the social medias Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Michelle Mission, as well as on Twitch. We're available up there on Twitch as well. And you can check out all of the swag, including our Six Degrees of Durville <laughs> Martin swag um, at MichelleMission.com. Hit swag and check out all the cool designs available from our good friends at T Public. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of The Podglomerate. ThePodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. All right. All right. Next week, Vince. All right. Oh, it's my turn. It is your turn. It is my turn. And, uh, you know, 
I haven't jumped in a crate for a long time. No, you have not. So I'm going back in the crates. All right. In the way back machine. In the way back. And um, I'm going back to a film that I, it's an older film. Mm-hmm. It's a TCM film. I know. That I have not seen. Me either. It's funny. We were joking about waiting to see things with people. You know, I've literally waited for years to watch this. And waiting kinda, for you. Right. You kind of yeah. wait for the show. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited as well, as we will be taking in uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Yes, sir. And who else is in it? Oh, you would ask me that. I don't know. Dude, is it is it like Louis Armstrong Louis, Louis in Armstrong, this? And, I know Louis Armstrong. And, and, and is Brock Peters in like it's a bunch of people in this. It's a bunch of people. I know Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. Well, Louis Armstrong because he's on the post. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they will be in A Man Called Adam. Yes. From nineteen sixty six. Next week here. As we continue on this road. On the road to 300. To episode 300 of the Michelle Mission. Yes, sir. All right. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, ah, Sharon Eldridge wants to ask the question. Okay. Are we going to have a watch along for any of the movies left on the road to 300? Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. We have to figure out which one. <laughs> we'll figure out yes. <laughs> which one. But we will. We definitely will. We have to we have to pick out a oh, yeah, can't pick be, out a fun one. Can't be Sankofa. <laughs> it won't be Sankofa. I'm letting you right now, it won't be Sankofa. Like twelve years of slave. <laughs> I tell you my cousin went and saw twelve years of slave in an hour. She actually texted me, said, Been here an hour, still a slave. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I mean, it's right there in the title. I mean, it, you know, they set you up. <laughs> right. They told you what you were in for. Right. You know, he was a slave for 12 years. Pretty sure he's going to be there. Right. Probably. An hour into the movie. <laughs> still a slave. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Again, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. 